What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm 2-Minute Drill Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dan Malin, once again, doing a quick solo podcast, just recapping Week 16 with a little bit of a preview towards Week 17 and those fantasy football championships that you're all fighting for. James Grande is, once again, uh, dealing with some personal responsibilities. Um, He is unable to join me on the podcast, but it is Tuesday morning. Hope you all had a fantastic holiday weekend. Uh, this week, I'm going to do my best to not go on any Patriots rants. Uh, they followed up the most embarrassing loss in the organization's history with another terrible loss, which we will talk to short, talk about shortly because there were fa- massive fantasy implications uh, with that game. But let's start off with some Week 16 winners real quick. Justin Jefferson on an absolute tear broke Randy Moss's 19-year-old record for receiving yards in the season for the Minnesota Vikings organization. Jefferson has also now posted his third straight performance of at least 30 fantasy points in PPR formats. I was actually very high on him coming into the season. Uh, anywhere I had uh, the number two or number three pick, I was targeting him over Cooper Cup. Um, strangely enough, my fantasy luck this season has been incredibly bizarre i'm gonna just air this out i had the number one or number two seed in three separate leagues that were all fairly high stakes but those leagues i feel like if they're high stakes leagues they should just be six teams in the playoffs these leagues had eight teams in the playoffs and two of those leagues i had justin jefferson and i still lost got bounced in the quarterfinals couldn't believe it uh but jefferson was not the only vikings player taking fantasy managers to the championship other than me. Uh, but TJ Hawkinson had a massive breakout game for the Vikings, similar to what he did earlier in the year for the Detroit Lions when Amon Ross St. Brown was sidelined. Uh, his 13 catches and two touchdowns were huge for fantasy owners, and we saw this coming. The targets had been there in recent weeks. He was even getting more targets than Adam Thielen. It was really just a matter of time until we got this breakout game, and it came last week against the Giants. Uh, huge performance for Hawkinson. He's locked in as a top five play at the position in week 17 and week 18 if you play that deep into the season. And he's going to likely be drafted as a top tight end in 2023. Moving on to the arguably one of the best games of the weekend, the Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys. Even without Jalen Hurts, this game lived up to the hype. Uh, for the eighth straight game that he was active, Ezekiel Elliott found the end zone. The rushing numbers may not be there. They don't look great. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to pass 1,000 rushing yards in the season. I think he's between 800, 850 right now, last I checked. Um, And, you know, when you consider the eyeball test, Tony Pollard just has looked like the better all-around player. But Jerry Jones is committed to getting his guy the ball. I mean, Zeke is owed large amounts of money, so might as well get your money's worth. Uh, but if you streamed Gardner Minshew on Sunday without Jalen Hurts, you were not disappointed. Uh, he got you about 24 to 28 fantasy points, depending on your league settings. Threw for over 350 yards with a 60% completion rate and found a touchdown with his legs. Had a couple turnovers, uh, but, you know, like, if, if, you're, if you started him, you were going to be happy with at least 20 fantasy points, and he got much more than that. Uh, both A.J. Brand and Devontae Smith had over 100 receiving yards, but it was Smith who found the end zone twice. Minshew should be a starting quarterback uh, going forward if if Jalen Hurts is to miss uh, next week's game against the Saints. Um, I He's must start in a super flex or two quarterback format, and I honestly think that he's going to be ranked as a top 12 quarterback in week 17 anyway, so he's probably going to be startable over a lot of other guys as well. And to wrap it up on this game, CeeDee Lamb had a really strong performance. 10 catches, 120 yards, and a pair of touchdowns, while Dak Prescott threw for over 340 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, a couple other very strong outings I'm not going to go in-depth on because I do want to get to some losers 
as well as some uh, injury news and waiver wire. But George Kittle had a massive afternoon in the afternoon slate. Uh, Derrick Henry, once again, very strong against the Houston Texans. Evan Ingram from last Thursday was really the only player in that Jets-Jaguars game that had a, a, a respectable week. I mean, I think that game finished 19-3. to And overall, the Thursday night games, given the short week and the poor matchups, they, they just suck. I mean, the primetime games this year have been terrible. The Broncos started the season with four of six primetime games. Come on. Uh, but the Rams on Christmas had another had a massive day as well. I told a lot of people that the Broncos defense was very much in play as as a top three defense. Man, did they make me look like a jackass. Uh, some Week 16 losers other than me picking the Broncos. Aaron Jones was a massive disappointment. He's clearly playing hurt. Uh, he had a shin injury a few weeks ago. I think he popped up on the practice report the last week or two with a knee issue. And then in this game, he left pretty early with an ankle injury. That explains why the snap shares were 37 to 24 in favor of AJ Dillon. Honestly, you really got to read into the injury reports and practice reports throughout the week. Uh, it's going to be pretty tough to trust Aaron Jones if, if you survived the debacle that was his start on Christmas. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had 10 targets. You will take that any week. If you tell me a DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a wide receiver getting 10 targets, from, I don't know, Howard Bender, I'm still going to start DeAndre Hopkins. You take it whenever it's there. However, Trace McSorley was a disaster throwing it down the field. He was 0 for 7 when targeting Hopkins on more than 10 air yards downfield. Uh, at this point, it seems within reason to possibly bench DeAndre Hopkins. I am a guy that always recommends starting your studs. I'm sure I'll be in there in the Fantasy Alarm Season Long Discord this weekend telling you all to start your studs. But based on what we saw with Trace McSorley last week uh, against the Bucks, look, they're committed to getting DeAndre Hopkins the ball, but it, it, there is this the notion that you have to at least get the ball in his hands. You know, try it as much as you want. But if he's only getting one catch on 10 targets, uh, he's going to be killing fantasy football managers. Uh, and at the same time, Arizona could choose to run the ball all over Atlanta in a matchup of two of the worst NFC teams. Uh, Rashad White wasn't great. Uh, that was a massive Leonard Fournette game. I think he had like 9 or 10 catches, was just out-snapped heavily by Leonard Fournette. Uh, but a late touchdown did salvage Rashad White's day. Uh, Geno Smith was in a great matchup against the Chiefs, even without Tyler Lockett. Smith went on to throw for just 215 yards with a touchdown and interception. DK Metcalf had an okay day in this matchup against the Chiefs, 7 catches for 81 yards. But I do think that we need to pump the brakes a little bit on teams that are going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. We fell into this trap a few weeks ago with the Jacksonville Jaguars, <clears throat> and they couldn't really keep pace with the Chiefs. So I don't think that just because a team is playing the Kansas City Chiefs that they're automatically a lock to you know be locked into a shootout with you know the Chiefs who are one of the best teams in the league offensively, and you know they have a defense that can show from time to time. So obviously <clears throat> things would have gone much better for the Seahawks if Tyler Lockett was active, but that wasn't the case. Uh, so let's just not assume that, uh, you know, mediocre to okay teams offensively can, can get into shootouts with the Chiefs. Ramondre Stevenson here is where I'll have a small Patriots rant, but I'll try to keep it fantasy relevant. Ramondre Stevenson finished with just 3.3 fantasy points in PPR formats. Uh, that's, it's incredibly embarrassing. Uh, he almost salvaged the day in the red zone late in the game as the Patriots were mounting their comeback. Uh, he was inside the 10 getting a carry, could have scored, but he fumbled it. Instead, he loses a fumble and crushes the hopes of several fantasy managers. And it's not to say that the touchdown would have necessarily salvaged the day entirely, but you are looking at essentially 
you know, an eight and a half point swing. If he somehow finds the end zone, you know, you're you're not getting the negative two points. You're probably getting six and a half points. And we're talking about a guy who's potentially looking at 10, 11 fantasy points. Is that going to make him a top 12 running back, which is what I thought he would be this week? No. Uh, but overall, very underwhelming performance from him. Very disappointing. And lastly, Deion Jackson. Massive whiff on Monday night in week 16. Uh, there... There were concerns. I was, I had a feeling that we would possibly view this running back backfield as a trap. And Zach Moss had most of the carries. He had at least a dozen. I think he had maybe have had a target or two as well. But even Moss, I think, finished with 65 yards. A lot of his runs were just going for about three or four yards. The Colts couldn't get anything going, even against uh, you know a soft run defense like the Los Angeles Chargers. But Jackson is the very disappointing one because we saw him earlier in the year when Jonathan Taylor was inactive. We saw Jackson catch 10 catches in a game once. And uh, rumors started circulating on Twitter from unconfirmed sources. You know, these were, I think, just Twitter accounts that may be just trying to get ahead of some story and, and gain some followers this way. But, you know, uh, there were some reports or rumors that Jeff Saturday and Deion Jackson got into a fight not a physical one, just like a verbal altercation about Jackson's diminished uh, workload following uh, Jonathan Taylor's injury. <clears throat> that may have played a role because, you know, Jackson had one catch for negative nine yards early in the game, and then he was pretty much not involved in the second quarter or the third quarter. He came in very late in the fourth quarter and had two catches, and he finishes the night with three catches for nine yards, which is kind of heartbreaking for anyone who bet the over on his prop of over nine and a half receiving yards. Uh, the one catch early on in the game for negative nine yards really put that in a hole. Comes in late, gets two catches, and finishes just short of his prop. I feel bad for anyone who took the over on that one. But let's talk some injuries. Following week 16, Tua Tungo-Vailoa is back in concussion protocol. I'm not surely what needs to be done here, whether there's a suspension or some kind of disciplinary action. Uh, there's a significant concern regarding his safety. Uh, but he's a footballer. You know, he, the guy wants to play, he's going to be on the field. He's not going to tell anyone that he's hurt in during the game. Um, there's a lot of gray area with these head injuries. And given the situation from earlier this year, it looks like he's going to miss this week's game against the Patriots. Uh, the Dolphins are currently in the midst of like a four or five game losing streak. It's, uh, let me confirm that because I don't want to give the absolute wrong information. Um, but it, it, it's ugly. Like this is a team that's on the cusp of the playoffs. I think they're locking into, they're, if they are going to make the playoffs, it's probably going to be as the final seed. They've lost four straight games. They're the Patriots on Sunday, uh, who are also trying to get into and sneak into that last playoff spot. Uh, so Tua Tungavailoa back in concussion protocol. Given the nature of his head injuries from earlier in the year, it seems like a safe bet to assume he's not going to play this week. But on the other side of the ball, the Patriots could be without both of their tight ends. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith collided. Uh, in last week's game against the Bengals, Henry suffered a knee injury. Later in the game, Smith would leave with a concussion. And so, you know, it's only Tuesday morning as of this recording. Uh, the status for both is going to be up in the air for the matchup against the Dolphins, but keep that in mind. Uh, Justin Fields expects to play in Week 17, but he did suffer a foot and shoulder injury against the Bills. He was unable to put any weight on his, or his full weight on his foot, and he aggregated, aggravated an injury to his non-throwing shoulder, but he does believe he will play next week. Uh, Christian Watson left Sunday's game in Miami uh, for the Packers with a hip injury. It's unfortunate because he had eight targets in the first half alone and was well on his way to a monstrous day. Uh, he's emerged as one of the more trustworthy targets for Aaron Rodgers, so... <clears throat> Keep an eye on his status as Sunday approaches. Let's talk a little waiver wire for anyone playing in the Week 17 Championship for 
their respective leagues, and for anyone that's still alive in their uh, toilet bowl matchups trying to avoid any significant punishment. Uh, Jahan Dotson doesn't have a favorable matchup in Week 17 against the Browns, uh, but and with a change at quarterback, that could shake things up, but he's been very productive over the last few weeks. He has six or more targets in three consecutive games. He's firmly in play as a flex option, uh, but keep in mind as to who the commanders decide to start at quarterback, whether it's Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke. If Christian Watson is out in Week 17 with the hip injury that we just talked about, Romeo Dobbs is a stream-worthy wide receiver to consider, especially considering the Vikings allow the second-most fantasy points per game to wide receivers. That is according to ESPN. If Gardner Minshew is still available, I think you have to consider him against the Saints. Uh, we talked about it when we were just recapping the Cowboys-Eagles game. Must play in super flex in two quarterback formats and will possibly be a top-12 play overall. Uh, if any of the Giants' pass catchers are available, give them a little love. Uh, Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins had 12 and 11 targets, respectively, while Slayton, Derry Slayton, that is, had just six. They'll face the Colts on Sunday, who on paper look good against wide receivers, but that's because most offenses can just run up the score and just ditch the aerial attack against the Colts. Uh, you know, so not a lot of teams are necessarily throwing a lot on the Colts, uh, which may cap the ceiling for some of these pass catchers. But the Colts did just allow Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to combine for 15 catches and 180 yards Monday night, while Austin Eckler was the one that uh, scored twice on the ground. If James Cook is available, I'd grab him as well. He has scored double-digit fantasy points in three of his last four games. I know it's a split backfield with Devin Singletary, but I honestly feel much better about starting James Cook over someone like Zach Moss, who we just discussed, uh, since there's more potential for Cook to at least score a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Algier looks to get a nice workload bump with Atlanta officially eliminated from the playoffs. And around this time of year, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, bad teams that are out of playoff contention, they really just want to see what they got in their young guys. And, and Algier has now collected at least 100 rushing yards in back-to-back -back games. And wrapping it up at the tight end position, if you need a tight end streamer in Week 17, I would look to see if Tyler Conklin is available. Mike White will start against the Seahawks for the New York Jets. Raises the value of almost every pass catcher in New York, from Garrett Wilson to Elijah Moore. Um, so if Conklin is available, I would grab him and potentially stream him this week. You know, when you're streaming tight ends, really, you're just hoping for a few catches and maybe a touchdown. If you can get 8, 9, maybe 10 PPR points from a tight end, take it and run. Uh, but if Conklin is unavailable, then consider Jordan Aikens. Um, I get it. Decent player on a bad team. Uh, the Texans are... <laughs> really just trying to lock in the number one overall pick in next year's draft to hopefully draft a future franchise quarterback. Uh, but Aikens, when he's active, he is getting looks. Uh, he, he caught all three of his targets this past week for 39 yards. That's 6.9 PPR points. I think that if you can find that on waivers, you take it when you can. But that's going to do it for the Week 16 Recap, Week 17 Preview. Hope you all, once again, had a very safe holiday. Uh, once again, do it again for New Year's. I want you all back listening next week. We will look to have James Grande, uh, his, his triumphant return next week. So, Best of luck, everybody, in Week 17, and go get those championships.